taking you inside the games we love. This is Bill Roden on Sports. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Bill Roden on Sports um, with uh, my co-host, Jamal Murphy. Glad to be here once again. Yep. And um, we have yet another special guest. You know, if, if people will go back to all our episodes of, of Bill Roden on Sports, and I always say, oh, we have another special guest. Right. But, but the reality is that one of the great things about this forum format is that it's really given me an opportunity to invite on the show people I've known for a long, long time and, and I've never really had an opportunity to, to have these kind of radio conversations with. And so today is yet someone else, uh, someone I've known for a real long time, and uh, we've talked about, talked about. Uh, we had great conversations in the press box. We've had great conversations in the locker room when he when he played. And so uh, I saw uh, I saw the great Roman Open uh, a couple of months ago, and I said, Roman, man, you ought to come on my show. You know, come on my podcast show. And just being the great guy he is, he said, Yeah, sure, we'll make it happen. So finally, um, we made it happen. So my special guest today is uh, Roman. Open, uh, Roman Open is uh, his his he's working with the NFL now. I teased him the other way. He's like on the dark side, <laughs> but he's the director of youth and high school football health and safety policy for the National Football League, and he just started that job in January, and it's probably like a great place to be now because that's sort of you know that's the business now that that if you're if you're in the NFL or college football if you're in soccer if you're right. almost in any sport now right this is sort of everybody's now figuring out you know how do we make how do we make these sports you know how do we make these sports safer so you're kind of on the cutting right you're on the cutting edge of yeah um i'm i'm, I'm privileged uh, every day i walk in that building uh, i feel like i'm there to to help solve an issue and help address an issue mm-hmm. and uh, help celebrate the game celebrate the values of the game uh rewards over risk um, and uh, I played football, and you know my story. I was, you know, born in Cameroon, and um, and my journey, which started in a third world country, and, and where I am now, mm-hmm. uh, from there to you know Park Avenue is a, is a long journey. So uh, I, I'm I'm very appreciative of where I am now and, and what I'm doing to help help the game on this side. Mm-hmm. But do you miss being in the broadcast booth? We're talking about cutting up the Giants, particularly now. You know they're going to the Super Bowl, right? Who the Giants? Yeah. Hey, if if they go to Super Bowl, that's good for them. But uh, <laughs> That defense giving up four and change every Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> that's a lot of yards. Got outscore them. Yeah, that's a lot yeah, of pressure it's on like Eli. Baylor against TCU. Every watching <laughs> those guys play, but no, it's I still do some broadcast work. I mean, I do some uh, Giants post game, and I've stayed close to it. And obviously, because I work uh, for the league now, I don't do as much. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm not going to go in there and bash officiating or any. I mean, there, there are a bunch of other people that. <laughs> well, you could do that. You could. <laughs> <laughs> there are a bunch of other people that do that, or, and 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 I have a lot of respect for Dean Blandino and, and, and the issues he's got. I mean, every Monday morning there's a discussion, but mm-hmm. again, I, I felt like um, what I had done, uh, you know, corporately off the field, um, you know, kind of qualified me to come to the league office at, at the right time to mm-hmm. help. Uh, in the direction that they're going, you know, to ensure safety and celebrate the values of the game at the mm-hmm. at the younger levels. Yeah, well, we're going to get into a lot of that. I just want to, you know, you know, get into your bio. You're um, a former professional American. I'm like reading for this thing. I know that. Um, but you you played college football at Louisville. Yep. At Louisville, the Louisville Cardinals. Uh, you were drafted by the Giants in '96, and you spent 12 years. Geez, I don't know. You were 12 years as an offensive tackle in the NFL. You played for the Browns. Yep. 
you played for Tampa Bay. In fact, that's where you won your Super Bowl ring, right? Yeah, with absolutely. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, John Gruden's team. Yeah, yeah, I was there too. But I mean, I wasn't on the team. I <laughs> uh, and you played uh, for San Diego Chargers, and yeah, so you had a—I mean, you had a very rich, rich, rich career. Then you went—you you got a degree in economics mm-hmm. from Louisville, right? Um, on time, right? Yeah, yeah. I was done uh, December of my senior year, and uh, just quick story: I, I started graduate courses spring of my senior year, mm-hmm. and because uh, you needed that scholarship check, I wasn't trying to borrow money from an agent and all that stuff, so. I but grad school was the only option, so um, it, it wasn't fun. Uh, the week I got drafted, I had two 30-page papers due because mm. um, the semester was over that spring. Uh, so I actually handed them in early. And so it's funny. You get the students asking me, the, the jock, hey, you know, uh, I need some help on this paper. You know, you did yours like two weeks ago. I was like, yeah, because I'm about to get drafted. So right. I was pretty focused. But um, it, it, it's really the, the biggest misnomer about college athletic is like, if if sports doesn't work out, you can fall back on your education. I mean, education is never a fallback plan. <laughs> um, when when you've seen a when you've grown up with a mother who was working forty hours a week and taking eighteen credits a semester just to graduate, and uh, you know my mom worked at the Cameron Embassy and she worked for World Bank IMF um, mm-hmm. as a um, information officer. So I learned my work ethic from that from mm-hmm. sitting in class with her at night in second grade because there was no daycare because she couldn't afford it. Right. So. Um, I mean, we we it's the blessings come in different ways, but um, um, yeah. I even when I got to college, like I I, I knew why I was there. Um, it wasn't like first time away from home and all these you know a lot of knuckleheads. And we all you know we all have that time to adjust. Right, right. right. But again, I had fun and all that. But I was always pretty focused on you know what I wanted to do. Was it wasn't it tough though? We had this discussion on a prior show. Just you know the demands on you as a as a Division One football player. I mean, you're not the regular student, so you have. You know all these real demands. You're there right. for a reason with a scholarship. Right. I mean, how hard was it to actually concentrate on on the book side of it? Well, the thing is, though, if that's all you know, then you don't know anything else. So when you're walking in the door, taking a first class flight, you're recruiting visits. They're walking through the back door to add, you know the the registration. You know when you register for classes because of training camp, all your classes have to be from nine to one, so that because you, you got practice in the afternoon, dinner, then study hall. If that's all you know, I mean, you don't know anything else. I mean, it wasn't like you go for a regular student for, for a semester and right. then you become a student athlete. If you walk in the door like that, um, uh, it, it's, it's again, uh, it, it's for me, it was like in college, like learning how to socially adjust is the biggest lesson you learn in college. Learning how to ma- manage your time. Uh, I mean, that's why typically you see a lot more football players that do better in life, despite what you've heard and the misnomer of all the players go broke and 80%. I mean, that number, that's that's been falsely represent, uh, misrepresented for years. Right. Um, there's a lot of guys, more often than not, that I know they live in Missouri or somewhere, and they're, they're teachers, they're principals, they're making 80000 a year, they're coaching. I mean, they're right. con- contributing society in, in a positive way. Um, they're not all broke, you know, <laughs> and, and I think, uh, whereas, you know, the basketball guys, I went to a lot of basketball players came out when I was there. Uh, Samaki Walker, who played right. for a long time. But these guys come out of college, two years later, they're going in the draft. Right. So they don't learn that social adjustment that we learn how to deal with different kinds of people. It's it's twelve of them versus you know eighty in a right. locker room. I mean, you're dealing with the, the the Polish guy or the guy from the Midwest who's never been on a team with a black person, or you're dealing with the guy from Southside Chicago versus the, the guy from South Miami. I mean, it's you learn a lot in that process, and um, you know, and I think I, I I thank my that experience, and that's you know, also contribute to where I am. But it wasn't as difficult because that's all I knew, number one. Secondly, right. it gives you a sense of focus uh, 
because you know you only got two hours. You got right. two hours, and you got to do something with it. Right. It's like going to night school. And yeah. You have a job. Yeah. yeah. I've I've done both. I've gone to night school, went to law school, and then I went full time to law school. And you're right. When you don't have, I actually did better when I had less time. Yeah. To procrastinate or whatever. And plus, if you're an older student, I mean, my mom went to night school. Right. You're not in there. 19 years old. Your parents paying for school. Right. I mean, you got to succeed because you got to work. You got. I mean, you don't have time to do all the. You may miss a lot of campus activities, but you're right. you're, you're grinding. You're grinding. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you, you mentioned at the beginning. I mean, your, your story is very interesting. I mean, we'll, we'll definitely get to the NFL and right. and you justifying this sport. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> no, no, but but no, but I'm gonna just be honest. I'm always gonna yeah, be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and, 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 and by the way, we've talked about this. I mean, I I like football. I played football in high school. I'm not one of the people who said they ought to banish football. I think that where everybody is now, how do we make? I mean, listen. The reason why everybody likes the sport is because it's a rough and tumble sport. Right. right. You know, and so nobody's trying to sit up here and say it's not it's not rough and tumble. But the idea is that okay, how do we make a rough and tumble sport safe? And then how do you and we'll talk about this later, but how do you when you're talking to parents, which I imagine is a lot of your job, how do you tell parents to either assuage their their, their fears or encourage them to come out or let the sons play? I mean that's I imagine that would be a big part of your yeah your absolutely. job. Right. Yeah. I mean the the it all starts with education. So mm-hmm. if it's if you're going to play football, make sure you belong to a league that's that where the coaches are certified. Mm-hmm. Uh, the NFL endowed heads up uh, USA Football that you know heads up football. Make sure you have an athletic trainer um, at the games. You know, make sure you have a system in place where you learn about the heat acclimatization process, practice guidelines. Don't just start off day one. You know, two a days in pads. I mean, you, you just can't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. And those things weren't regulated. Right. You know. You know, ten years ago, much less. You know, thirty years ago. Oh um, man, or, it was like or, the dark ages. Yeah. Man. So it, it's um, the system is better and the game is safer than it's ever been. I mean, you 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 know, you talk about tackling techniques, how they're taking the head out of the tackle. So that's where the education starts. Mm-hmm. And I said, if you're going to play, play, but play and know what you're getting out of the situation. Um, but don't play because you see headlines or you or some. If, if Harry Carson said his kids will never play, but then Roman, I mean, no, don't listen to pro athletes. Listen, do your own homework. You know, if your kid should start lifting weights at 13 versus high school, do your research on that. Like, know how, just be educated. And I think that's, we live in an era, um, society, where you have more more pundits than, than promoters of the sport, and you have more cynics than people that are trying to actually create solutions. So uh-huh. um I'm always going to be critical about. I'm always going to challenge people, and I welcome all the criticism mm-hmm. because I work for the league. Or, but fortunately, like, this isn't a calling show. No, no. I just <laughs> do your homework. Do your right, homework, right. and uh, don't just read headlines and, and a story about something that happened in another state that justifies your opinion. Have there been more injury? I mean, I want to get back to your whole journey from Cameroon sure. here, but uh, it's just been my thought. I mean, as long as I've been watching football, uh, it just seems like there's so many more injuries. I don't know if. This year is just a spike. Um, you know, it just seemed like there are more, more injuries. I mean, you look at, I was just down in Baltimore uh, Sunday, and they've lost, I think, like a league high 14 people. But it's yeah. your, your sense, because you've, you've been in the broadcast booth for a long time. Right. Are there more injuries this season? You have to look at the, the, the nature of the injuries. So you've got the soft tissue injuries. If there are more ACLs, if there's more, uh, you know, whatever kind of injuries there are, um, that could be due to a lot of different things. Um, you know, an injury could be anything, a bruised shoulder, and an elbow, that makes you get treatment. So that's that's listed as an injury. But in terms of the number of quarterbacks that have stayed healthy throughout the course of a season, uh, that number's increased. Um, I mean, there was a, st- a study last year, the Health and Safety Report, I think uh, 
2008 versus like 2012, 2013 season, I think he had 25 out of 30 quarterbacks that stayed last year the whole year versus five years before. It was like half that number. Right. So, you know, people, like you talk about the fans, you know, people can say, oh, it's not football anymore, but this generation of kids isn't going to, you know, suing the pants, be suing the pants off the league in, in 20 years. Or you, I don't think you'll have those issues because guys are getting fined. There's there's uh, tackling rules and you right. can't hit quarterbacks and you, right. you you know take your head out of the tackling. I mean that's going to make this generation. They have to adjust, but that'll make this generation uh, a safer generation. Um, where now it's like I value the life of, of a football player, not just his career, because his career could be a year or two or ten right. years. Um, and that trickles down to college, to high school, to the youth level. Now you have a son. Or do you have two, two boys that play football? Two yeah. play, of course, that's, I, I, I teased uh, Troy Vincent about this, and he said all the men in my family are going to play football. <laughs> it's almost like if you go to work in the NFL, it's like, listen, you, you got to play football. But but you have no, you didn't blink, right? When your sons wanted to play, you didn't blink an eye. No. Well, one thing, my older son, because, you know, you got to know your kids. So mm-hmm. my older son, he didn't play until seventh grade because where we lived at the time, I didn't have the time to commit to really be there. And, and um, they were like in an unaffiliated league. They weren't affiliated with Pop Warner or, or you know, with the with AYF or they weren't affiliated. So um, me trusting the volunteer dad process was, was I was a little cynical about that. Mm-hmm. So I said, let, let's do lacrosse, do soccer, do other stuff and let that neck get stronger and, let, and then play later mm-hmm. um, when he's 12. Because he's young, first grade. My younger son, and you know, uh, Roman Junior is in high school now. He's a freshman in St. Peter's. He's doing well. Um, he'll probably be a college athlete, uh, most likely. My, my younger son played in fifth grade, mm. uh, and he, and I have heavy kids. I mean, so some of these weight restrictions, you 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 weigh yourself out of playing. So my younger son played, but I trusted the system. So one played in seventh, one played in fifth. They both have have good experiences. I'm always communicating with them. Making sure the coaches aren't doing crazy drills, things right. that don't make sense, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. things that we did in the '80s don't translate in 2015. Right. So, um, right, right, right. and obviously, I'm the guy that shows up and says, "Listen, you can't do that," and they won't do it. But the average, <laughs> the average, <laughs> right. the, the well, average, what's the uh, average parent going to do? No, but the average parent, <laughs> you, you've got to, you've got to demand that coach has a meeting with all the parents. You've got to demand right. what are the expectations of the year, what are the playing time going to be like. Some kids are better than others. Um, this can't just be about my fast kid can beat your fast kid. I mean, we're no better than the the last kid on the team. His confidence hasn't grown throughout the course of a season. So that's really it. Uh, we have to – we're addressing the health concerns, but the concussion discussion altogether, I mean, we have to eventually get out of it and say, this is what we're doing to address safety, but these are rewards of playing. This is the values. These are the benefits. Mm-hmm. Injuries are getting down. Um, there's a lot more, you know – Heart, uh, cardiac uh, issues than there are actually, you know, concussion issues. So, I mean, those are the kind of things that you you start to, uh, to tell people. And when you tell them the truth, now they've got to go do something with it. They're going to read headlines. They're going to listen to an educated person about the subject matter. Right. Well, you know, staying on that on the youth football or Pop Warner or whatever. And you know, I I just had a son, and I played high school football. I didn't play Pop Warner, um, basically because I didn't know. There, there was one around me, mm-hmm. so I probably, you know, I always loved football, so I would have played yeah. early. But what, what's your advice as far as, you know, when a kid? I mean, you have a, you have your son in fifth grade playing. Um, you know, I always thought oh, maybe if I'm, if I could have played because I was bigger, so maybe I wouldn't have gotten hurt. Does that mm-hmm. have anything to do with it? It's just you got to know your kid, and you got to make sure that there are avenues that they're always creating their conf- their confidence. Uh, flag is a good entry point. Uh, I encourage kids to play flag. 
and learn. I mean, it's more difficult for a nine-year-old kid to run full speed and slow down and grab a flag than it is to continue to run with mm-hmm. equipment on and, and tackle someone. Like, that's actually more difficult. Right. So um, that becomes, you know, you can whet their appetite with introduction of flag. You could do one-week camps over the summer where they're just actually learning and there's no equipment involved. It's just helmet. Right. I mean, it's just... Like seven on seven. Yeah, T-shirts and shorts. I mean, you can do some of those things. And I did that for my kids, I mean, from first grade all the way through until they were confident enough that they wanted to play because when they say, Dad, I want to play, then, you know, most parents are, are even research has shown that parents are generally going to let their kids play if they express that they want to play. Mm. Right. Uh, mom's initial reaction is no, no, no. But if, like, yeah. if Johnny wants to play, you're going to let him play. Right. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Taking you inside the games we love. This is Bill Roden on Sports. Is participation down? Have you? Uh, I, I mean, I, I think participation is down across the board. Yeah, right? exactly. But, but um, what about in football? Because that's your industry. Yeah. No, participation uh-huh. numbers are down, but they're not. They're, they're not um, decreasing. Uh, they're decreasing at a slower rate. So you've seen like seven percent drop. Maybe you've seen five percent drop. Um, NFHS, uh, National Federation of High Schools, released a study last year that high school numbers are actually stable. Um, so, you know, where there's the fear and reservation on the youth side, you know, what happens puberty, 12, 13, okay, well, time we get to high school. I didn't play till 10th grade. Right. So now those high school numbers are, are pretty solid. So, mm-hmm. um, but so is baseballs drop, basketballs drop, you know, right, the, the, right. the baseball whole. Really baseball's drop. always drop. Yeah, I mean, the marginal, <laughs> I mean, we, we talk about, we used to talk about baseball all the time. I mean, right. the urban. Uh, we've lost yeah. the urban base and in, in, in baseball in this country and, and all those things and, and it's not a first time sport being taught but right. um, it, it's it's. I mean look at what happened six, seven years ago with the recession I mean parents had to work more couldn't take their kids to practice so here come the video games here come the more sedentary activity the non-participatory mm-hmm. stuff so it, it's you, you gotta look at the bigger picture when you talk about People aren't playing because of safety. No, it's it's a lot of reason why they aren't playing. Because look at all these other sports that are getting affected. Right, and it's still a relatively expensive sport with the with the you know the equipment. Yeah, you can't just put ten guys in the gym and give them a ball and and, and let them figure it out. I mean, it has to be taught. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have to make sure. And also, one of the things we do is just make sure that um, we're removing any financial barriers through right. equipment grants um, that we lead, uh, and and to make sure these people can play with these helmets and shoulder pads that are properly reconditioned right, or, that, or brand new. That's, that was probably an issue in the past in terms of injuries. If you're in a poor neighborhood, you're probably more likely to get injured as a, as a yeah. young kid because your equipment isn't as good. as Yeah, field can, if you're playing on a field with lumpy, field with rocks, you, you right. may have a higher chance to get injured. If, you don't, if you're, you're not reconditioning the equipment and you've got an old helmet and with some issues, the manufacturer, it doesn't pass the manufacturer's right. you know, specifications and you shouldn't play with it. So, But even at the youth level, Coaches are getting educated and saying, "Okay, every year you you can recondition at least, you know, twenty helmets every year. So then that lasts a couple of years, and then you continue to go through that cycle. Whereas that thing would sit in the garage in the old days, and then you pull it back out the next year. <laughs> twenty years. That's probably when, <laughs> when you I'm were playing. Yeah, your father, you, you're <laughs> using your father's helmet. <laughs> I'm after the new Rockney, uh, just not, you know. But also, we talked about the the price. But that's why you know I played." And, and uh, I went to a public high school in Chicago, but the equipment was, you know, it was free. You see, that's why everybody could play yeah. because, unlike tennis 
or golf or whatever. But, you know, if you want to play football and you were in a public school, you went out for the team. If you made the team, then you were given equipment. You know, yeah. so um, because people wonder, and the same thing in basketball. I mean, public, public schools, and, and the same thing in music. In other words, if you were going to be a musician, they had a band and you got instruments. You know, now, uh, particularly things like band, they're taking that stuff away. Yeah. So it makes it more difficult. And you had a lot of great people yeah. coming out of these public schools because they didn't necessarily have to pay for stuff. And so I maintain if they do that stuff to football, if all of a sudden public schools start drying up and they don't give if they don't give the equipment away anymore, and all the people are going to be start coming from either these really high polluting private school or you're going to see a, a lot of the, the the parochial programs taking the cherry picking the kids out of the urban neighborhoods to go right like you know uh, you, you were right. from chicago so you got the Carmos and some of those yeah, kind of schools right. where the catholic school you're yeah. getting those kids from the urban areas that they've identified i mean you look at the img academy yeah right. uh, in florida i mean that's a boarding school that's a football i mean seventy thousand dollars a year but if you're from you know harlem new jersey and you were the aau all-star your parents are going to get a phone call saying, hey, why don't you come down here and, and be in this environment? Right. But so. what does that see? So the question does, I've always got this thing about the future of black athletes. And, yeah. You know, and this whole dominance and all that. And people say, you know, they look at 70%, you know, black folks in football and 80% in baseball. And people get comfortable with that. They say, well, you know, we'll never change. I say, you know what? Don't yeah. sleep on this because... Yeah. It, we got to be ahead it, of the it, curve. It, it does not take that much to have. Because like you're saying, there are people who still want their kids to get these scholarships. Yep. And right now. It's not just it, urban kids. Yeah, no, not just, especially <laughs> just urban. And so the question becomes, can we rig the system so that we do something with this competition? Because, you know, I mean, that's probably another show uh, called Bill Roden on Sports Paranoid Version. <laughs> but, but, but but I'm saying is that this thing, could, we've gone from safety to something else. But, you know, because it does, because people sometimes say, well, uh, I've heard parents say, particularly a lot of black parents, say, well, shoot, we're not, we're going to keep, they're, they're going to keep playing. Yeah. My kids going to yeah. keep playing. Yeah, no choice. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, so, and so, so when they hear a lot of the suburban parents say, my kid's not going to play this. Well, it's great. That's more for me. Yeah. You know oh, what I'm saying? Yeah. I hear that. You know, that. yeah. So I think that you're right. In the ivory tower, there's this hand ringing. Oh, my God, what are we going to do? And yeah. But I think it's a lot of places where this is the route to college. This is the route to making, I will never make this kind of money yeah. or get this kind of college unless I play football. There are a group of these people for whom this stuff about injuries and all that stuff as well make it as safe as you can but I'm going to play anyway right and it's a fun and, and don't forget it's a sport and it's fun and that's why you start playing it early so you're playing it because you like it first and foremost then then you start thinking about the education and all that kind of stuff so remember there's a there, there's such a thing as a love for the game and that's real yeah no and it's um, I mean go back to the financial discussion uh, Bill mm. You're having schools across the board, uh, high school administrators that now have to defend a freshman program because financially, a principal or superintendent's got to decide: should I keep this freshman program or should I build a, a skate right. uh, ramp? Right. Should I keep the freshman program or should I have this other uh, alternative uh, program? So now it becomes a financial mm. discussion, mm. and then if you don't have a freshman program, um, it affects retention rates because what 14-year-old wants to be on a team with 17-year-olds? Right. So. 30 freshmen in, in robust communities where they have financial resources equals a good team. 12 freshmen that sign up equals no no freshman football. 
now we've lost the game has lost a kid that could have had a great experience. Yeah. Not the next you know Syracuse or Notre Dame All Star, but just a kid who would have played for for what the football values imparts. Mm-hmm. Now you said you started playing relatively uh, late. You you were four. Now, what, what, why did your family? You were born in, in, in Cameroon, mm-hmm. uh, and your family. What did what did your parents do there? They no, do? my mom. Um, so I grew up a uh, single mom. Um, I met my dad later in life, and uh, uh, my mom was a bilingual secretary, uh, basically for the equivalent of the State Department back in Cameroon. Mm-hmm. And so there was an opportunity for her to transfer. Um, she just had a, you know me born out of wedlock, and, and uh, it was an opportunity for her to just better herself, better her life, and you know, an African American woman in the early seventies, and and coming over here and. And so she actually uh, she came here on a work visa, so she got smartened and started going to school at night. You know, it was mm. kind of violating her visa, <laughs> so uh, she she had some issues with the country doing that. But again, you know, you're in the seventies, a black woman trying to advance herself was something you, mm. even in Washington D.C. But mm. uh, but um, it, it, it was commendable because I remember those days of like getting out of class, going to some after school where they just sit you in a room. I don't know if you play with toys or whatever, <laughs> and then she would come pick me up, mm. and I would sit in class with her at night class from like eight or whatever, 6 to 8.30. I mean, I remember I was always being transported and sleeping and wake up, I'm home, wake up, I'm in and do my homework. Mm-hmm. Cooking at night, you know, I, I mean, I learned how to cook when I was like 10 years old. I learned, right. I was staying, you know, latchkey kids, all that stuff, so. Did your brother and sisters? Um, um, I have a, I was primarily an only child. I have an, an adopted uh, sister who's my cousin mm-hmm. um, that lived with us later um, mm-hmm. when I got to high school, but um, it it was you know like every every foreigner's story you know to migrate to the country to make it better for them and and uh, you know back then it was come to America get educated and go back home and help your country but then you know the the nature of the uh, you know just the, you know governmental corruption and some of those things in African countries <laughs> prevented you from the other half of the equation. I, well, now that I'm here and I've gotten this master's <laughs> degree, why don't just, I just stay here? Let me just stay here. <laughs> <laughs> it's not too good over there. I'll know. see you guys later on. <laughs> yeah, the opportunities on you know the opportunities on is, are great. Right. Right. Yeah. So when so did you ever see yourself? Uh, did you was your dream like playing professional football? I mean, what was when did when did that light kind of go on? I'd imagine that's you, you didn't you didn't grow up. No, I I grew up um, like every kid. The first year I started watching football um, was the year of Super Bowl seventeen when the Redskins were really good. When you know the John Riggins when they played mm-hmm. the Dolphins when he's turned away from the defender, mm-hmm. that famous picture. Yeah. So the year I started watching football was I think fifth grade, and mm-hmm. uh, and then the Redskins were really good and they actually won the Super Bowl. And then my favorite player was a guy by the name of Dexter Manley. Oh yeah. Oh, who uh, yeah. and I was number seventy two in high yeah. school, college, and pro all the way through because of Dexter Manley. Mm. So I learned back then that um, you know, you, you your role models aren't always people that are going to make all the right decisions. You can learn from them. Right. Um. I mean, we were. I mean, I was in, and, and then you got to high school. I'm in. Uh. You know, Mayor and Barry's. Uh. It's called DCY Youth Employment Program. You know, kind of keep the kids off the streets, get mm. them jobs. So. Mary. Um, yeah, I mean, my mom was on the news and she supported, Bear, you know, so we were, we, we, and, and one thing I've appreciated, this sidebar about our relationship mm-hmm. is, um, you know, I'm 43, so I was born in 72, so when mm-hmm. I was 10 years old, you got to figure uh, a, a teacher, an educator of mine that was 40 years old at the time, mm-hmm. I mean, I had teachers that marched with Dr. King, mm-hmm. like I had teachers that always gave me a sense of responsibility about the community, about who you are, and especially being African and, mm. and learning how to speak English, mm. you know, watching Happy Days when I was a kid on, on TV. I mean, that's mm. how I learned how to speak English, literally watching really? television. Well, so what, you spoke French? Yeah, I spoke yeah. French and then tribal dialects, but I lost it because my mom, mm. working on her English, would only speak English at home. Oh, really? And then I, unlike, you know, you have a lot of uh, Spanish families that right, right. that right, uh, right. will speak Spanish in the house. Um, 
um, and they learn it from their parents. So their grandparents, you know, grandma lives in the back room, you know, she speaks the foreign language, so my mom only spoke English. I eventually lost my French, you know. Uh, I understand some of the tribal dialects. Like if I'm in a cab, I know if somebody's talking mess about me, but <laughs> I can, uh, it's hard because the the verb cont, uh, the verb tenses are, are different. Did you do you miss that? I mean, that I mean, if, you know, for 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 us, a lot of you know African Americans, but who are all born here, like three generations. Yeah. There's still this sort of romance of of not being able to really know. All your roots, you know, how yeah. far your roots go, but even to Africa. Yeah. Well, for your family, I'd imagine in Cameroon. I mean, you pretty much can trace your family back, right? Yeah, but you know, it's it's a, it's interesting because I grew up in an era where, you know, you, you try to become Americanized as soon as possible so kids wouldn't make fun of you because your accent. And then when I got to high school, you know, late eighties, nineteen ninety, you know, the NWA, Public Enemy. You know, that whole era of uh, what hip-hop was doing back then mm. um, was really, the culture was changing. So then it became cool to be from Africa. Mm. And then I look now, everyone's doing their DNA, DNA swabs where, hey, I'm from Cameroon too. I did my DNA swab yeah. and my family. And, you know, so I, it's, it's great to see it full circle where people actually really, their mechanisms in place through technology and what have you where they can go back and, and, and look and see where they actually came from and, and have still that sense of... Right. This is where I'm really from. Um, and there's been, uh, what's the, I can't remember, uh, Blake, uh, he's an actor. He went, they had a thing on Dateline, like mm -hmm. he went back to, went back to Cameroon mm -hmm. and where he was from, and, and um, I remember his name in a second, but he's an mm -hmm. actor. Mm -hmm. And, and mm -hmm. I mean, and he's looked at some people, he even traced to see who kind of was related to him, I mean, even going back then. So it, it's, I'm I'm honored, uh, I'm, I'm ha that people can feel some form of comfort that, they can know where they actually came from yeah. without the the psychology, you know, the whole psychology yeah, 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 yeah. of slavery and, and what that did to families. And yeah. um, so now I'm just good to see yeah. it full. Have circle. you have you brought your kids? Back? I mean, have you taken trips? No, I I, I want to wait. They're now at the age um, 14 and 11. Um, the other one's almost 12. So when they're both in high school, I mean, we'll we'll take a trip because uh, as a parent, you fear. Um, I've had cousins that took their kids over when they were young, and one got malaria, one got you know, one got mm -hmm. sick just playing outside with other mm -hmm. kids and. And so you worry about some of that stuff, but Cameroon is is, is pretty moderate on that scale mm -hmm. of the countries that have like high disease, high. I mean, you have to take your shots and do all that stuff. Your arms sore for a week, <laughs> you know. But you, um, it, it's good. It, it's all good. I mean, I, I, I they will get that experience mm -hmm. uh, for sure. So, what did you? So, you 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 went to uh, when, what what year did you start playing football? I mean, how did that happen? How did how did it happen that you started? Playing football? Did you play anything else? Like were you playing no, soccer? No, I played rec soccer and you know CYA. Uh, was a CYO um, pickup basketball? You know, I, I did that. Like all kids, you know, summer youth programs. Um, I didn't play till tenth grade because I was in Atlanta for a summer with my aunt, who mm. uh, I think she worked at Clark. Uh, she was a like librarian at Clark mm. University, so that was my summer every day at the library, just sitting there reading all day for like a month. And so when I came back the day before Labor Day, my mom didn't know they had tryouts. I didn't mm. know the tryouts were like. A month ago and so I had to wait till 10th grade to play and um, you know she didn't want me to play so it was like last minute so I like forged her the consent form for her to play and she didn't even know I was on the team and um, they eventually found out because they wanted her to work the concession stand and she said uh, <laughs> what so he's not on the team no he goes to the MLK library every day uh, after school. I was like no he's, he's playing football so I lied I lied my way in but she said listen just don't, don't let those grades slip um, and you can you can play if that's something you want to do I don't know anything about the sport um, and, and my high school coach will still say to this day that he's appreciative that my mom didn't get involved. Oh, that's my baby. Don't <laughs> get hurt. And, right. and you know, you, you got these things, these phrase, helicopter parents. 
Uh, my mom didn't get involved at all. She said, look, and, and the other side of that is I'm glad that my high school coaches were great mentors, leaders. I mean, you know, we've seen the other half of that where people in those positions of leadership, I mean, some about alone time in the car, like dropping off the train. I mean, like like he he was a servant, you know, and, and he sacrificed his time away from his own family for someone like me who he didn't think was – I didn't think about the NFL in 10th grade. I just – I want to play college football or I want to, you know, dream about playing for the Redskins, but that's – every kid dreams about that, you know, mm-hmm. at least wherever you, you live in the country. So what position did you play in high school? Uh, I was a D-line, O-line tweener. Uh, we ran the option, so it just crashed down. They optioned off me, and then on uh, on defense, I was like a DN linebacker, um, stand up, you know, to get mm-hmm. the three-point stands. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Taking you inside the games we love, this is Bill Roden on Sports. How did you choose Louisville? I mean, were, were, were you really, really highly, highly recruited? Yeah, um, I went to prep school. I was like a 16-year-old senior, um, so I went to prep school. Um, what, what school? For, for Q Military Academy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, and I went to FUMA with yeah. um, Eddie George, um, Kevin Plank, who started Under Armour. Yeah. Uh, he was our fullback. Um, we had about 15, 18 Division One athletes on our, our so team. Fork Union is no, I mean, that's, they're known for it. Yeah. And I had no idea back then. I didn't, you know. Um, um, I had decommitted from an SEC school back then. Um, it was a you know pretty big school, and then I, I just feared um, they were getting re- in, re- investigated for recruitment violations and, and Who stuff. Was this? Tennessee. It was back then, like yeah. ninety. I okay. mean, they were like Alabama back, back in then. the day. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and then Ole Miss recruited me. I mean, a lot of schools recruited me. Um, and then you know we were talking about this. The the I had feared. You know, eighteen years old in nineteen ninety one. Um, just a relationship of leaving this part of the country and going down south, mm. I started to fear some things that could happen. Like you know, good, and my good, high school coach said, "Hey, good, listen, good you got those snakes. those good old boys down there, and you know, you end up in a dorm room, and then a girl has her version of the story, you have your version, mm. and then now you you know." So I I, I just got scared. I but then <laughs> Louisville was a little further north. It wasn't like it went, going right, to hit or like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, And so uh, I ended up at Louisville, and they. I felt like they wanted me there. Yeah. You know, they wanted me yeah. to succeed. And Schellenberg was building the program at the time, and uh, I felt like we I could make a difference in there. And and I did. I I, I pledged a fraternity. Uh, oh, you're an alpha. Yeah, yeah, I'm an alpha. Yeah, so um, I, I maximized my college experience. Where had I gone to a big school, a bigger program back then, I, I might not have been able to do that. You could go to Howard. You turn, yeah, you're gonna turn that program around. <laughs> <laughs> I've been too close to home now. I don't walk home from Howard, man. Um, you, you know, you you got drafted by the Giants. Yep. Right. And I, I guess in the, in the time we have left, I mean, two things. Uh, one, would you get back to the injury stuff? Mm-hmm. I don't want people to think that we're blind. I mean, football is a tough sport. Right. And Absolutely. That, it's, it's a it's a rough sport. I mean, Roger Roger Goodell, your your boss, came over to my barber shop in Harlem mm-hmm. uh, one day and. Uh, we did, you know, it was very good. It was a nice. We talked about. He showed some things about the rules, and there are people in the in the shop who were like angry because they were like, you know, taking some of the rules off. <laughs> Man, this isn't football anymore. Right. But but he's making the point that you know. In fact, I may have said, well, some people think it's like touch, and he said, you really think this is like touch? You know, fundamentally, it's a rough and tumble sport, and I right. think that if you want to get into it, no matter what you do with the helmets and the pads, all that, at some point. You have to say, let's like playing hockey. With it. At some right. point, 
the rubber hits the road and you it, it's a very physical sport. Maybe yeah. it's not the same physicality, let's say, is ten years ago. Right. Or right. maybe twenty years or thirty years ago, but it's still I'm 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 sitting there, I'm watching this stuff every day and it's no joke. I mean, you know, it's it's a seriously, you know, uh um vicious sport. So I mean so I don't want people to think that I'm trying to say it's not. But what you're trying to do is how do we make the best of it? How do we make it as safe as we can make it? Yeah, the rule changes at the, at the top level, uh, you know, you know, emphasizing taking the head out of the tackle, you know, not using your, your helmet as a weapon. Right. Um, because kids emulate kids emulate uh, what they see on TV. I mean, right. you look at basketball, kids used to try to dunk. Now they're everybody trying to drain a half-court shot because of Steph Curry. <laughs> right. So, um, and, and you look at, you know, what Eldell Beckham, every kid oh. in the, has a blonde streak in Mohawk now. Um, so football still has that impact. But I think, you know, where football used to act in its own government, um, we've become more inclusive in saying, listen, these we need to be ahead of the curve. Um, we can't weaponize our helmets. We have to promote safety. We have to uh, teach a different game um, than we learned uh, some of us growing up. And, and, and fans adjust as well. I mean, you don't want to see guys getting injured and, and having lifelong issues uh, if, if the league can do anything to prevent it. And I think uh, what Troy Vincent's done in uh, football ops, um, he's executive vice president of football ops. I mean, he's you know, number two guy of the, the league. I mean, he controls the biggest portion of the building. Um, so it's, 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 it's a challenge, and there's criticism there, and, and you're not going to make everyone happy, and there's always going to be natural skepticism or criticism, but I think you can feel good that you're addressing some of the issues and then that, that's uh, congruent with, with where the game is going. You know, I mean, my, my thing it really uh, is that I, I don't know if there's anything you can do to make the game ultimately safe, but if you know that the game is a 100% injury game, and you know, eventually there are going to be some people down the road who have issues. I'm saying, well, make that take the billions of dollars you make and have centers around, maybe four centers around the country. That if somebody does develop, you know, yeah. um, uh, what do you call um, head injuries? Head, 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 well, uh, the trauma. What do you call it uh, when you lose? CTE. Yeah, and have places because a, a good friend of mine, Ron Johnson, right. um, went to a home, uh, and the home when you looked at it, it was it was. It was for people who are like really older people, yeah. as opposed to having a center that was sort of designed for people who were like pro players and that kind of stuff. To yeah. me, that's I'm saying you could, cause you could do things like that. Yeah, no, I I agree, and I think you have to work with the healthcare systems and hospitals and and people that are you know healthcare facilities. I mean, if you look at the general population, I mean it's still a smaller number than the big. So it's unfortunate where a guy who's relatively young has to be in a situation where people that are like 20 years older than him exactly, but exactly. again I mean can there be a place if, I'm sure on the private side someone would eventually build something like that and, yeah. and house former players um, yeah. I mean a lot of these yeah. people that we grew up watching uh, I've heard a lot of people say that um, you, you feel a guilt that you grew up watching this guy and now he's got all these issues Right. right. Um, so but I, I think a majority of the older guys feel good about the relationship with the NFL. They feel good about what they're doing. Mm-hmm. You're never going to be happy about the money guys are making versus what you made. 20. I mean, that's, you're never. <laughs> and you and you and you worked on this stuff with the NFL. People. Yeah. you were a team rep, and you yeah. and you worked towards benefits for retired players. Yeah. So you, I mean, this is coming from a place of knowledge. For you. Yeah, I mean the, you know the the league has done a lot, and, and through the PA, and it's all collectively bargained. So uh, I mean, they they do have worked together. To continue to find ways to improve the quality of life for players, their pension increases, severances, um, you know, disabilities. I mean, all those things. Are, there's there's multiple systems in place financially. I mean, if you play four years, you know, 
you should be at least at a decent place financially, but you should come out with all your your education. You can go back to school. They can get that paid for. So, and, and that helps your life, the life of your career, not just the football part, because like I said, the football part of your career could last so long. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you, I teased you at the very beginning of the show about going to the dark side, because yeah. you were a PA, you were one of the players, you were, you, know, you were very heavily involved. Yeah, as a player, yeah. As a player in the union. How, did, how does it feel to be on the other side? I mean, I was teasing you, but how does it feel to be? Well, you have a lot of former players that are coaches that are working at the scouts. I mean, they work for clubs. I mean, that's the ownership, you know, so they do that, but... I mean, there are only seven p- former players that work uh, for the league office. Um, a lot of them work, you know, uh, Martin Hanks, remember him from the yeah, 49ers? Yeah, yeah. And he works in um, a fine discipline. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think I work in a part of the building that, that's that's kind of untainted by the, like, I have nothing to do with Tom Brady stuff. You know, but again, I mean, it's... it's <laughs> Let's talk about Tom know. Brady. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank he you. Mis- he mentioned it, see, I didn't even go yeah, there. Yeah, <laughs> see, I have nothing to do, you know, but... I, I can feel good in, in that what I'm contributing is helping to make make the game better. I feel good about what Troy is doing. Mm-hmm. You know, Charles Wade, player engagement, giving players financial resources or, or resources to better themselves and their families after football's over. So I do feel good about I mean when you're you're in a boardroom or you're 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 making decisions that are affecting, you know, hundreds of thousands of people every day. So that I can feel good about that. Right. I, and there's natural criticism that comes with it. Well, I think it's a it's a great look for the league to have yeah. someone like you who, you know, when I look at your career and what, you, what you've done for the NFLPA mm-hmm. and just talking to you now, it's like, well, yeah, I feel like I can trust this guy, right. you know, to make these kind of decisions. You obviously care about, you know, from both sides of the, right. of the coin. So um, I think it's a, it's a good look. And if there's anybody um, who could be trusted, is someone like you? No, I, pre- I appreciate that. No, I'm, I'm I'm humble, absolutely. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I said this too, man. You're one of the most sincere and honest guys I've met in this business. Not and one of the most intelligent guys, and I don't and I I don't mean as a put down because there are a lot of a lot of people who play in the league who are pretty intelligent people. People express it differently, differently. Yeah. differently you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Let me ask you this: You played with a lot of uh, a lot of teams, man. Uh, what was your professional? What was the most unique? experience that you've had as a professional athlete again i think some people take it for granted that you know being a professional i mean not that many people get to be professional athletes i mean it's, it's a really small number of people so what was the most unique um experience that, that, that you had as a professional athlete well i think that 2002 year uh the year we won the super bowl uh with john gruden um i mean i love coach gruden he's a nut man he, he's a uh, he's a uh, he'll He'll maximize you. Um, he'll get everything out of you. He can, you know. The the, the word the, the the playbook was complex, and and um, I mean, he liked smart guys. He liked high IQ football acumen guys. You know, he liked those kind of guys. And um, we worked really hard that year. Um, um, in terms of experience, like I played in the last Super Bowl that didn't have a two week uh, a bye week in between. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we played NFC Championship. I mean, that Super Bowl was played I think like January twenty sixth. So we played. NFC Championships, the Super Bowl was a week later. That's you beat Oakland, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Eagles and the NFC. Yeah, and it was the last Super Bowl that was a blowout until the the Seattle one uh, two years ago here in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I think all the experiences were great. I mean, a lot of great leaders and, and men, and, you know, I played with Marty Schottenheimer, you know, here, Dan Reeves, Jim Fossil, um, uh, North Turner at the end of my career in San Diego. Um, but I uh, played a lot of great players. Uh, but no, all the, all, the, all the experiences were unique. I think it's 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 a more of a strain on your family than people think, and people say, "Well, that's a good problem to have." But you know, when you come up that driveway, say, "Hey, I just got traded, and uh, mm. I I got a mm. one o'clock flight <laughs> to San Diego," mm. you know, and your wife's you know picking curtains or whatever, you know, it, it's it's hard. I mean, my wife had to delay law school and all that stuff for my career, 
and uh, people think that you know life is, is easy and you're lucky, but you get to a point where you don't know, you can't determine the outcome. You play the game because you can determine the outcome, and you're, you're fortunate to play as long as you can, but the life of the game, the business of the game, you have to learn that and, and learn who you are in that space because that's how you'll you'll lose yourself if you don't yeah because people think I, I think they think it's like like cartoon stuff you yeah. know people get fired or traded and I think we've become so anesthetized to it that yeah. it doesn't really oh yeah well so and so gets traded and then yeah okay or so and gets fired yeah. and we then don't really like, realize that yeah, that's then you're like, mad he doesn't show up on time as yeah. a fan yeah, yeah. I know I know <laughs> yeah. it's uh no it, it, it's interesting you're right you're absolutely right I mean it's uh people don't realize the uh what you really go through um and again and people say oh it's a good problem to have well let me have that problem you know but yeah but every there's stuff you have to deal with in every every situation but well, i mean I'm, I'm i'm fortunate i'm definitely fortunate you went from where where were you in san diego i may have been pissed off with that where where'd you get traded from where from tampa i was a part of the eli trade oh, in 04. oh oh yeah oh, so oh, i think oh, a, a fourth round pick or something like that that the chargers got from the giants they sent it to tampa mm-hmm. um and that's where i ended my, my career in 2008 um, I was done. I moved back here. That's when you and I started, uh, you know, reconnecting. We used to meet at the at Lundell's all the time, man. I, no, remember? You know what? When you fr- remember, remember George's restaurant? Yes. And you did. I mean, it's the funniest thing because Georgia had, you know, had a Georgia friend, Scott. Yeah. Georgia Scott. She was, was a football one on one for women. For, and and, and she said, we, I wanted to get a football player to to have one on one for women. To, and so and so, man. Um, uh, you came and you brought your shoulder pads. I remember. Yeah. You brought his shoulder pads. You brought the helmet. <laughs> and he had these people. And I had he, film. I yeah. showed him how to diagnose film. <laughs> right, right. It was yeah. great. Perfect. No, it, it was great. great. It, was, it was really fun. It didn't save the store. But it was. <laughs> yeah, no. it was uh, hey, man, this is really, really good. Oh, one, one, one other thing. You got to have your listening jazz thing again. I, I miss uh, oh, that, man. It, well, remember when I, I showed up with all, the, all that chicken? I, but 100 people's worth it. <laughs> you know what? But I did. I, I shouldn't say it was here, but I did have another one. Okay, I couldn't find your. It was like Desert Isle sixteen. Oh man, did you have a good time on, on that one? Yeah, you actually bought. What do you remember the music you brought? I um, I think it was um, Donald Byrd, uh, Wind Parade, um, um, and then uh, what was the other one? Heroes. I, I, I talked about the fusion of like hip hop and jazz, and how like I started That's listening me. to jazz because of hip hop. Especially the early '90s, like all the grooves and all the, oh man, you know, like all, yeah, yeah, like yeah. I, yeah, Donald, a lot of Donald Bird, like Donald, Donald Bird, Wind Parade was my was my favorite. You know, brought, what what he was referring to is I give these these jazz these what we call them, the Desert Isle listening sets, and uh, where you know they, we've done like sixteen of them. Yeah, and what we were talking was, and you said you were into the music. Mm-hmm. I said, oh, yeah, why don't you come? You know, and and uh, what we do is that people come, and every year we have a different theme, and and whatever that theme is. People bring a couple pieces of music, and then you play them and you talk about. Well, this is why I. Yeah. You know, this is why. Donald I Harrison was the other one. Uh, freestyle. Yeah. Yeah, it was called oh, yeah, freestyle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which Donald. is interesting. You know, and, and I'm, I'm many guys into the music. Uh, I know back, you know, and, and back the further you go back, more guys were into jazz. Uh, now I think there are probably a lot of guys who are still into music, but it might not be. They may not be. Well, you, you need to have a hip hop one so you can bring Bill. <laughs> to learn about that. that well, genre. I need to I teach mean, some of these kids about the hip hop because <laughs> I don't know true. what they're listening to now. That is true. Now everything's fused now. You have this part of jazz, this part of blues, this part of then the, the undertones are like rock, and then then the, the electronic part of it is synthesized. Yeah, like I'm not I'm not gonna be this angry guy from the '90s who's a, <laughs> a, a jazz purist or hip hop purist. But it, it's different. It's changed. But there's still people making good music. You know, right. you have to be ahead of technology and all that stuff. Right. 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 Hey man, this is uh, this has been great. Oh, I, 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 what I mentioned, 
when you won the Super Bowl, remember the thing I'll always remember about that Super Bowl? Hey, they won with Tony Dungy's players. but uh, <laughs> Defensively. Defensively. John yeah, Gruden's yeah. players offensively. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'll give him that. <laughs> but remember, when the guy didn't show up, remember the Oakland Raider guy? Oh, yeah. Remember he didn't yeah, show up? The What's that? Barrett? Was his name? Yeah, Barrett, Barrett Robbins or Barrett uh, something. Yeah. yeah, right. He just didn't show up. Yeah, he had a, um, I think he had a, I think bipolar, bipolar and some like stuff. That. He ended up at a. Uh, at a bar in San Diego, um, and then he, you know, then you have to put a rookie in there and line up and come in a Warren Sapp. <laughs> and he ate that dude up, man. Yeah, that was yeah, it. That was a big difference in the game. Yeah. Hey, well, listen, this has been uh, tremendous. You got to come back for part two. Absolutely. Uh, you know, you could tell the people in the NFL, you know, Bill Road treated me well. <laughs> yeah. Right? You could have Roger can come now, right? Hey, I'll, I'll bring him if I can. Trust me. <laughs> Drag him. He might need some security walking uh, through Midtown uh, in, during the holidays. Hey, give him, give him right. a mask. All, the, all those tourists, yeah. No, they, 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 they want his autograph. Hey, listen, in New York, they'd, all, they'd ask for his autograph. But it's funny. you. I, I saw Queen Latifah last week. I mean, I was walking down the street. I mean, that's... New York is like that. Uh, right. And I'll be like, oh, there's an actor. I can't remember his name. You know, so. Exactly. And so there's regular people. Well, which is a great thing about it. I mean, the people don't make like a huge deal yeah. about it. And, yeah. and you shouldn't either because, you know, who are you? It just <laughs> happens to be what they, because people, the reality is people's shows get canceled. Things happen. And, That's right. And so uh, the, the other side of that is, you know, you, you respect who people are because they all, everyone brings something unique to the, the melting pot here. Right. Hey, man, you particularly. So listen. Uh, my guest has been uh, the great Roman Open. Uh, he's now working with the National Football League. He's the director of youth and high school football health and safety policy. So all of you parents, if you're on the fence about whether your your kids should play, what do you tell them? Check play. out uh, usafootball.com. Make sure your kids belong to a league that's uh, certified um, with heads-up tackling and, 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 and blocking and, and learn the concussion protocol and all that. And do it the right way and make sure you're educated. Yeah, but you still got to be a hit. <laughs> head up, hey, head up. Hey, hey thanks so up. much. Hey, thanks so much, bro. It's, my pleasure, my pleasure. Great. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.